What's going on, everybody? You've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. It's the cartel here with y'all. I love it. Also, the y'all, dude. Um, we got a pretty special episode for you guys today because we are going to be interviewing the Rob G in just a few minutes. And uh, as a cool little transition into interviewing the gentleman who has purchased the most expensive sports card ever, we are going to be talking a little bit about some of the expensive cards that not only have been sold in the not so distant past, but also, you know, the pretty big news out of Tops getting the license for the Mickey Mantle. So, you know, this timing probably couldn't have been better. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the mantle first, man. Uh, how do we think that the mantle coming back tops is going to influence the market for Rob G's card itself? I think it's a reason to celebrate for people that have either uh, investments or just fan base in Mickey Mantle. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, it was, I believe, that the license had been in the hands of Panini, which I know is not the first company that you're going to associate with baseball at this point. Uh, Tops is that company, and uh, you know it is the the home of the iconic card that we'll be discussing a lot today, and that everybody knows so well, and it pops up here and there. So, yeah, this is great timing in that sense to uh, get the perspective from someone who has a deep connection with that card, being an owner of one of the prime examples, and uh, I think that uh, benefits a lot of baseball collectors uh, that are going to start seeing Mickey's image again in tops. Uh, even in the modern era, there are a lot of mantle cards that popped up in subsets in tops that are widely collected and enjoyed. Um, so that'll be great to see back in the, uh, the tops, uh, the tops machine. I think it's so cool that, you know, there's been so much hype in general in sports cards, but the last year has pretty much been dominated by basketball. And I wonder if this is, you know, the news Obviously, the, the mantle sold a few months ago, um, but this news with tops and as we continue to see a lot of heavy hitting cards come out of baseball at golden auctions at you know, PWCC, whatever the case may be, private sales. Um, I wonder if this is going to be the rise of baseball or if it never really left. But, you know, there's just so many prospects that we kind of a lot of us get lost in 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 the, the salmon swimming of stream almost. You know what I mean? Like we, we turn into a herd of elk because there's so many pros, uh, prospects. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's baseball cards, right? Like we've talked about this on uh, the coaches before, baseball cards, that's how it all started. Um, obviously basketball is enjoying the most uh, attention and a lot of the big sales. That's kind of why uh, the purchase of the mantle was kind of uh, a big reminder in that sense. We've been seeing so many large basketball sales, the, uh, the $1.8 million LeBron patch that set things off in July, uh, all the other large sales that we've heard about. And then boom, it's kind of a reminder. It's like, wait a minute, what about one of the, what about the iconic card? What about the baseball card? And what about baseball cards themselves? And here we've got, uh, got ourselves returning to a full season We've got a lot of, uh, we, we've discussed this before as well. We've got a lot of colorful, flashy players out there. 
Um, everything's lining up really well. And if we're going to see the best of the baseball market, now is when we're going to see it. We've got a lot of players out there like Mike Trout that are representing the in-between, these guys that we know are going to be Hall of Famers. Um, and then all these exciting prospects, like you mentioned, up to and including the current series that's out there right now, the first series of Tops 2021, people are widely collecting, got some great prospects in there 2020 um, throughout. A lot of great prospects. That's exciting stuff, man. Yeah. Um, you, and, you and I are, are uh, uh, picking up uh, a lot of players the last few years in these last few sets that represent exciting opportunities. And I think that's uh, that's kind of like what we talked about in, in past podcasts. One of the things that's wrong with the NHL is that they don't have the bookends. You know what I mean? Like they have yeah. the past, they have the middle, but like the, the present is kind of shallow. Whereas – there's a lot of quality prospects, as you mentioned, in 2019, 2018, 2020 tops um, that are kind of pushing this thing along and bringing a lot of media attention, arguably more media attention to baseball than ever before. Like last season, I remember T- Tatis hit a grand slam when they were up like nine nothing against the Texas Rangers. And uh, he was scrutinized for, for swinging at the pitch uh, in, in a bases loaded situation. And, and in fact, making contact and, and it was a grand slam um, for this unwritten rule. And, uh, you know, he was defended by many people saying that like, it's really easy for, you know, teams to claw back despite in, in baseball. I mean, it is nine innings. It's not a timed game. So like if there's one out, you still have an opportunity to win. And, and this guy is a prime example of someone who, is not going to stop trying to win. And uh, I think that that's really important in, in modern collecting. You need to have those players. And as we talked about with hockey, there really just isn't that minus McDavid. And, uh, and then everything kind of bottoms out, to be honest. Um, if, even if we look at guys that are really successful now, like we talk about the McKinnon a lot. Like how, if we, if we fast forward 10, 15 years, where does McKinnon end up in terms of all-time points? Maybe he doesn't even scratch like some of the players that we've seen play in their rookie cards are like a hundred bucks right now. Do you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's pretty interesting for baseball. I think it's going to be a hell of a clown circus come uh, mid season, man. I think it's going to be amazing to watch honest to God. I think that this is probably going to be the most exciting baseball season but also baseball season for sports card collectors and investors. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting ride. And uh, I think there's a lot of expectation, man. This, if, if baseball is going to take uh, center stage and maybe start elevating to that point that we, I think we all know that it should be based on uh, the way the rest of the market is running. Um, this is the big opportunity to see that. Um, we're seeing a lot of hype in the preseason. Let's see how things are when things get going. Well, especially because like baseball in terms of like, it's, I think it's got more global reach than the NBA and like, excuse my ignorance and like argue with me all you want, but like there are massive like baseball leagues in Korea. There are massive baseball. I mean, I don't know about leagues, but there at the very least, there's a lot of hype in like places like Dominican Republic, Cuba, like some of our favorite stars are from some of these nations. Right. So Basketball does have some pretty key markets uh, that are driving things. Um, I mean, if you kind of per per person per square inch, there they've got some of the, the right markets. Baseball is incredibly international and reaches out to some markets that aren't uh, 
uh, that wouldn't be as well involved commercially. Um, UFC has that going on, although they're starting to uh, penetrate into the larger markets, markets like China, for example. Yeah. Um, but baseball absolutely has an international reach. I think there's been a lot of uh, notice and focus in the, in, the, in the last couple of years of some of the struggles that some of the players go through uh, making their way up in some of these uh, uh, in some of these areas where they start playing baseball and it becomes almost like a, not necessarily a matter of life and death, but for families and, and uh, these individuals, it's, it's a ticket to a better life. Yeah. And it's an interesting story. People are paying more attention to that sort of thing, following yeah. that along uh, the Adidas uh, commercials with, uh, with Lou Bob that we're starting to see pop up. He just signed with Adidas um, kind of focuses on, on, you know, coming up from not much and, and becoming a, a big superstar in baseball. That's part of the cultural fabric there with, with baseball in terms I mean, of uh, dreams, if, right? Even if we look at Jason Dominguez, right? Like the kid's like 17, 18 years old. And like, again, like from the Dominican Republic, like uh, doesn't have a lot, but like signed a multi-million dollar contract mm-hmm. with the Yankees as a 17 year old. And now, you know, his family's life has changed and, and you know what I mean? Like that's uh that's the dream. That's the baseball dream. And that's, there are very few sports where that dream is as possible as it is in baseball. There you go. And uh, because of all that, you know, and, and the interest, the collecting, um, the generational type of vibe from baseball cards passed, passed on down the generations. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening in baseball now. And we can also reflect and look back. And that's why I'm happy that, you know, the, the, the mantles and the conversation, it's almost like we forgot about it during all yeah. those large sales. Yeah. That's something, uh, you know, yeah, I, like I wanted... everyone's talking Luca and, and Zion. You're like, Hey, guess what? This you card from see, you know, 70 hey, years ago is Here's a reminder. Exactly. Speaking of reminders, uh, the gentleman who owns the most expensive sports card has just joined the group. Team, we would like to uh, bring uh, Rob G into the fold. Rob, how's it going, man? Welcome to the Cardboard Coaches. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's going great. Appreciate it. And I know we've been trying to hammer this out for a while, and you're a busy guy, especially I'm sure there's a ton of media attention around you after purchasing the most expensive card ever purchased, man. How's it feel to own the most expensive card ever purchased? Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, I'm honored to, to have it. It's such a piece of, uh, you know, American history and, and um, you know, just a piece of art. So it's cool to have it in my possession. It's great. I love that you mentioned that it's, uh, it's a piece of art and American history because uh, I, there are a lot of like naysayers that, you know, they just think it's a piece of cardboard or a piece of paper. And they're like, how could someone spend that kind of money on, on something like that? But when you start refer to things as art, I mean, why do people spend you know, tens of millions of dollars on art. And it's, it's about like, well, at least for myself, it's about the attachment to that, that item. So what do you think drew you to, to the mantle and, and to that price tag specifically? You know, a, a lot of things, to be honest. Um, you know, one, it's the most iconic card in the hobby. You know, it is the Mona Lisa of sports cards. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, it's, you know, the history behind, you know, that's Topps first edition and, and, you know, throwing the, um, the excess cards into the river and, and obviously Mantle just being such an iconic legend. Um, but also it's just a beautiful card. 
And, you know, if you look at, you know, there's some arguments that maybe the Honus Wagner card is also another um, great card, which obviously it is, but, you know, Mickey Mantle was just a phenomenal athlete and, and just broke so many records. And, you know, with Honus, I don't think anybody knows outside of the hobby, what position he played or even who the heck he was. Yeah. And if you look at those cards, they're so beat up, you know, I wouldn't feel good putting that on my wall. Whereas the 52 tops, Mickey Mantle, the colors, the pristineness of the card, it's just a beautiful thing that you could put on your wall and still think of it as art. And um, there's just so many reasons why I bought it. In addition, I thought the card was way undervalued. You know, if you look at other iconic cards uh, in the hobby, they, they 10, 20, 30 X'd um, and a short, you know, in a shorter period of time. So for this card, which, you know, is like the Apple stock, it's consistently gone up over 50 years, but, you know, it didn't get that, that really the 10, 20, 30, like, like all the other iconic cards. So for me to buy it at under two X from the last sale, two years before, um, I thought it was a real steal. And, um, you know, it's just, if all around, it's just an iconic card. I mentioned to people when, when this sale popped up and it's been, a, it's been a little while now, we can kind of step back and look at it from some different perspectives here. But at the time we were seeing all these major sales going through with basketball. When you made your purchase, uh, I was kind of breathing a sigh of relief that we were getting back to baseball cards, which is kind of where uh, it all started. And, and looking at cards that almost exist outside of the hobby, like Brendan mentioned, the fact that it's, it's a piece of art, it's relevant to popular culture, and of course, the hobby. Um, now, when you were purchasing the card, um, you were kind of going the, 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 in a different direction in that sense. Um, we've, we were finally getting news about the iconic cards in the hobby, rather than just being distracted by the Lucas and designs that were going on at the time. Um, you, I believe, were returning to the hobby. Were you consulting with certain people? Was this something that you carried with you for a while that you wanted that mantle? Obviously, everyone has their grail. And, and at the same time, um, did you know that it was going to be a record-breaking sale at the time? Like, were you aware of that? So, you know, I dove in in August and, um, and I got super addicted. So I dove in and, I, you know, I've, I've, speak cards on a daily basis to, um, you know, industry experts, industry vets, and, and, and just other people as well, you know, so it's something that I did dive into it hard. Um, I, I don't, I didn't follow all the questions, but I, you know, I didn't buy it for the record per se, you know, it's, um, but obviously I knew, you know, I, I guess I didn't think it'd be as big a deal as, as, uh, as the news made it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm honored to, to have the record. And, uh, and I think it did drive, help drive the hobby um, further, you know, to new limits and, and get other people looking into their garages and finding the cards and, and getting back into the hobby. Now, uh, how many people did you have texting you the next day saying, you know, I've, I've got this mantle, maybe they fished it out of somewhere. And is it worth $5 million? Yeah. I mean, it's still on a daily basis, you know, and, and I do think that card is still, I mean, you look at, there's an eight uh, for sale on, on golden right now. There's yeah. only eight, um, eight or there's only 35 eights. And, you know, if that is, is only 500,000 right now, whereas a Michael Jordan PSA 10, which obviously another, you know, incredible card. 
but there's 315 of them. And for that card to be more than, uh, than this mantle, which is, you know, from 1952 and, and there's only eight of them. I, I think that PSA eight is, is highly undervalued if the, if the Jordan card selling for 400 to 700,000 for sure. So yeah, I certainly expect that heat to, to keep rising. We've seen a, a notable increase in PSA 8s. I was just scanning through the golden auctions from November to March. That card was coming up significantly. Um, and, and the other thing I, I remind people is before the lockdown and everything kind of went nuts, um, one of the final shows I was at in late 2019, one of the number one cards that the high rollers were looking at were mantles, uh, 52 mantles to be specific. Sure, some people were messing around with a 51 Bowman, but at, literally at a table next to me, uh, we saw, I believe it was a deal for a PSA four. Um, that was about 35, $40,000 on the spot. So there was, there was demand, but like you said, it just wasn't reaching the point that it would eventually get to. There's a four on golden, which, you know, it's cheaper now than it was in August. I think, you know, it's, I think that's another great opportunity to pick up some value. It's a $100,000 range, I believe. Absolutely. It's kind of cascading down. Yeah. I find it incredibly interesting that, I mean, this card was from 70 years ago, you know, like, yeah, that, like there needs to be a little bit more respect on, on the head there. Right. And like, we talk a little bit about the Jordan, like we're eighties, you know, 79, but, uh, it doesn't nearly have, it's almost double the age, you know what I mean? And with less pop. So like, if we're talking sheer supply and demand, that thing realistically should have way more demand on it. But, um, and we were kind of talking briefly before you jumped in about this might be the perfect opportunity for baseball to, you know, really get in touch with its marketing. I think that there's a lot of very marketable stars there right now. I think that there are like the bookends are in place where we've got like the mantles, we've got the Jackie Robinsons, we've got the Hank Aaron. I mean, Hank Aaron, rest in peace. He just passed away, but there's some respect on him as well. Um, where like we have past present and future stars that are all very prominent that, and a, a global market in baseball that could really, really, really set this thing on fire in the next year, if done correctly. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Are you messing with the, uh, the modern market, Rob? I'm sorry? Are you messing with the modern baseball market at all? No, um, I'm definitely more vintage and, yeah, I mean, I, I don't buy a lot of uh, modern baseball. What kind of what kind of uh, what are, what are some of your favorites outside of uh, the Holy Grail mantle? Um, I mean, you know, my collection now is just so dang big. But um, you know, 1916 Babe Ruth, I think, is a cool card. I I don't like to do the like lower end. I don't like to talk about it just because I don't want to pump cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's fair. Maybe cards that are out of the realms of most people that way there's no opportunity to pump yeah um so you know yogi Berra rookie yeah. um i like that card uh, joe jackson 1917 collins mccarthy i think is dope um you know of course i've got a hank aaron rookie yeah i, I tell you one of the coolest things i love is the the, the i have a sweet what is it caparol i have a cigarette um case an unopened cigarette case yeah now you don't know if there's going to be any T206 cards in there, but I just think that the, you know, it would be a cool box break one day. It's like a treasure chest. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like, what's in this thing? Maybe. Yeah. I want to do a box break with it and just, you know, 
if uh, if it has nothing in it, because you know some of those cigarettes didn't have any cards. Yeah. Um, and some of them had, you know, really expensive ones. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially <laughs> nowadays, it's a sealed one, and you uh, you went hunting for that. That's dope. Yeah, spent a fortune. Is specific that. series that have baseball cards? Some series you might end up with like a Labrador retriever, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, or you know, famous claims. Um, that's that's really cool. And you can tell by the pack of cigarettes, but no one, from what I understand, no one's seen an actually case. Um, so you don't know what the packs look like. Oh, man. How many packs are in the case? Not many. I think 12. Yeah. You got a one in 12 chance of pulling a baseball card potentially. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's much, it's much greater than that. <laughs> but in the context of the, of the overall hobby and industry, um uh i you know obviously i've watched uh, some of your previous interviews rob one of the one of the awesome points that you made and i've seen this made elsewhere and i think you have even a bit more of an intimate knowledge of this but there there are so many people that came into the fold in the previous year and a lot of them were actual athletes uh and celebrities that want these cards the same way they would want to be acquiring certain pieces of art certain pieces of vintage clothing maybe even things like that um uh, just as an aside, was was Steve Aoki already doing his thing when you um, kind of got into the hobby, or was it around the same time? Or around the same time, I, thing? I think he started buying about a month before. Um, but we we definitely, you know, we when I started, we were on this, you know, we we spoke the same day I started, and and you know, we speak, you know, via text about every day, and um, we definitely went in pretty hard at the That's same dope. time. Nice. He yeah. talks about the Pokemon, kind of like how Coach Co talks Pokemon with me. Are, are you just nodding your head or are you a little bit more involved, Rob? Say one more time. And when it comes to Pokemon, like I just nod my head when Coach Co talks about it. Is that you and Aoki's talking about Pokemon? Yeah, I'm not a Pokemon guy. I don't have, um, I think I've got like two or something that just people sent me, but I, um, I'm not a Pokemon guy. You know, I didn't grow up with it. I never got into it. You know, I, I personally buy what I, what's dope to me and what I, you know, collect. So I don't chase the, like the, you know, the guys in the internet that are telling you what to buy for, you know, I'm not a card flipper. I'm not a, this isn't my job. You know, maybe initially I got into it for, to make money, but um, you know, then I became a, a hobbyist. So, you know, I don't really chase, you know, I think a lot of these things are silly, you know, buying tennis cards like i played tennis in high school but who the hell watches tennis and and i i just don't play i I don't follow that thing it's like i feel like these people just are sheep a lot of times like oh bowling cards or you know i I don't know i I collect what i like and what i think is dope um and i just kind of stick to you know stick to what i think i think rob's dropping some serious perspective here uh we uh we went so far as to entertain uh chess cards the other day on uh, yeah. cardboard coaches that someone brought up yeah. but um now but our- it's like i get it you're trying to buy it before everybody else buys it and yeah. then you're trying to pump it so you can make money but i mean that's just i think that's when people get hurt you know and that's when oh, people can sure. like oh my god i bought this and i, I you know it's if you just buy stuff that's always going to be in demand that's always going to be dope you're not going to get hurt now i guess it's, you're not going to make as much money as chasing something pumping in it and doing that but yeah uh, you may make it in the short term right but that's why again that's why i thought your choice of a 
large purchase, although it was near and dear to you, just on the bigger picture, was a brilliant choice because it's a baseball card. Well, and the, the cardboard... Not a card. I mean, like, yeah. you know, do you want to buy a Picasso or do you want to buy an up-and-coming artist that could pop? And I get both sides, you know? Yeah. I, I think if you buy the Warhol before he's Warhol, obviously you can make a ton of money. But, you know, I, I want to buy Warhol when he's already Warhol. I, you yeah. know, I'm not a speculative art buyer and I'm, I'm not a speculative card buyer either. It's just not my not my business you keep um, you keep mentioning the word dope and uh that's your company i love it let's talk a little bit about uh do you think that your purchase of the mantle has helped you know almost as a marketing tool for your business i know that you didn't buy it for the purpose of that but do you know what i mean like has uh has it benefited I'm, i know you've been on a lot of podcasts lately um i think that that's uh that's fantastic for you congrats man yeah, I think, you know, it's different in today's society. So back in the day, you know, so people, Dope is a CBD brand, but, you know, every major celebrity has worn the Dope logo. Jay-Z, yeah. Bieber, you know, you name it, um, they've all worn it. Um, you know, I think back in the day when you saw a celebrity, you saw a logo on the news, you'd go check it out and be like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta go maybe buy that because you didn't see it before, you see it in a magazine. But nowadays when you have Instagram and you have so much content being hit you, it's not really causing, um, you know, an action to go by. So do you recognize the logo? Of course, because you've seen it on Ellen and all these different places and, you know, maybe me because, of, you know, I wear it. Um, but it doesn't really cause you to go buy it. It's just like a billboard. I mean, billboards, it's good for branding, but it's not going to cause you to, you know, drive down the street, see the billboard and go home and really buy. That's fair. Uh, but maybe if you see it in a store, you're going to convert better. So dope CBD converts 78% better than other brands. Because when you go to the store, you're going to be like, oh, wow, I, I know what dope means. I've seen the logo before. I've seen it on celebrities. Maybe I don't realize it, but I'm going to buy it. But it's not going to really cause you to go to the website and to, to purchase. Um, you know, I, I look at it, you know, looking back, you know, a Super Bowl commercial is 5.5 million bucks or 30 seconds. Yeah. I paid 5.2 for a car that I just wanted and I thought was dope. And I got a hard asset and I think I got more exposure than Super Bowl commercials. That's a, so. And that, and that's, uh, I think it's a very important to, to recognize, you know what I mean? Like you not only ended up with a tangible asset and, and something that wasn't just going to last 30 seconds and be on the screen once and it is what it is, but uh, this is something that's, it's going to continue to bring you marketing, you know, like even if, if eventually it gets superseded, like, I mean, you're still going to be Rob G who owns that, you know, the, the second, third, fourth, whatever the case may be in, in five, 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, and that's huge, man. Yeah. It's, you know, again, if you buy what you love, then everything else is going to work out. Um, so, you know, I got a great card and, and, and I'm happy. You that's know? it, man. That's it. I love that vibe. In the, yeah. in the realm of CBD, Rob, I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, since, since we got you here and since it's something that I've, I've done some research on and I, I know some other people involved in, in the CBD industry in Canada, um, is that something that's near and dear to you or as far as a, a product and a concept? And the second question would be, um, I'm thinking that you're probably getting some connections with athletes. A lot of athletes choose to endorse or be involved with CBD brands. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of benefits. Uh, you know, for inflammation, for managing pain, settling GI issues, getting rest. Um, is that something that's kind of also opening up connections to you? And are you seeing kind of crossovers with athletes in the hobby, collecting their cards that you're meeting 
through through that sort of thing. And again, yeah, is it something that's near and dear to you, the, the concept? Yeah, so I also, uh, you know, I'm a, a large shareholder in another CBD business called CBDFX. Um, that particular brand has been around for about five years. Um, you know, I've been an owner since the beginning when it was a vape business called Mad Hatter Juice. And, you know, that, that brand is sold at CVS, Walgreens. It's coming in Walmart soon. It's, you know, that is a, it's, it's a great, great CBD brand. And so, you know, I've, I've just watched them along the way. And I was an owner of that before I even bought Dope. So then when I bought dope, it just, you know, I wanted to make sure that the quality of product was, was dope. And, um, you know, yeah, it, it definitely is uh, near and dear to my heart. I think it's, it's um, got tremendous benefits for people. You know, the FDA uh, doesn't really allow you to, to say what it's, you know, what it does, but yeah. um, there's been so much data to show how, how great it is for you. So I, I, I am, a, I'm a big I'm a big believer in it. Uh, as far as athletes go, you know, I haven't met any new athletes because of the purchase. You know, a lot of my close friends are athletes, professional athletes, um, but that's before uh, the purchase. And um, and yeah, a lot of them use CBD if if their industry allows it. And um, and you know, there's just yeah, why wouldn't they? It's it's so beneficial for for so many things that that um, they've got to take care of their body. That's their number one. Yeah thing that keeps their money coming in so they should do everything they can to, to make sure that they keep the longevity we got to get some of those vending machines out here in toronto canada man yeah and, and even without the vending machines you know if just a store wants to buy it they can always buy it and put it in their store but the vending machines are great because you know it allows anybody to be their own boss and yeah. have a, you know a side business and yeah. you know it the machines are so intelligent that it tells you you know, what the profit for the day is, what the revenue for the day is. It tells you inventory levels of the products. You don't have to go and open up the machine and say, oh, hey, I'm out of dope gummies. You know, it tells you, hey, you've got three packs left of dope gummies. It's and then, you know, it's probably better to, to do that. And it's just so much more. Um, it's just a better use of funds. You know, if you if you want to open a store, you know, it's expensive. You got to have a five to seven year lease. You've got to pay for a build out, which depends on the, the concept that you buy, but let's say it's 200 grand for the build out. Whereas this, you can buy, you know, a machine for, for a lot less and yeah. it's filled with, with CBD and you get the brand behind you. So it's, yeah. it's an it, tell us in, in, in the realm of business ventures um, in so much as you can tell us if there is anything brewing, I do think back to one of the purchases, the large purchases we saw fairly early in uh, in sort of what I call the the, the COVID era of the hobby um, when Lior Avidar uh, made his LeBron James purchase. Uh, he very quickly kind of parlayed that within the hobby to the platform Alt, which is out there right now. Um, there is a lot of innovation going on. We need it. Um, everything is becoming a little too singular, like as far as auction houses as far as graders you know people go to one grading company prices are coming up across the board listen penny sleeves have gone up for the average collector and become more of a cost are you looking into getting involved in the creation or maybe uh in in getting involved with an existing platform or company within the hobby to to kind of uh to to take a look at some opportunities there whether it be a, a, a selling platform or anything like that yeah, you know, I mean, I love business. So anything that, um, you know, I can provide strategic value to, I, you know, I'm, I would love to 
to listen to and look at. So yeah, it's I mean, I, I've definitely very Eastern open-minded to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because the thing is, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have great ideas and if they got the hustle, that that's incredible. But, you know, I've had a lot of exits so far, so I think I can bring a lot of value to somebody. So yeah, if it's a, if it's a, a good hustler that, that, you know, is relentless on, on that drive and they have a, an idea that I think can get an exit and I can provide some strategic value, then yeah, I would love to. Um, I'm just not the investor that's like, here's my money, I'll see you later. You know, if, and I'm not the guy that's gonna micromanage either. I just, if I can be a quarterback and kind of help uh, guide a little bit to get the exit and to get some growth, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really important for an investor as well. Where do we, where do we think the uh, golden PSA eight goes? I know we're going to just like rapid fire, you know, it's sitting at what 800,000 right now, I think, or is it 500,000 you said? 500, you know, I, I saw one maybe a month ago, sell for 1.6, I believe. Um, 1.3 on March 6th. Cause I've looked up some comps and in November, that was a $570,000 card. Um, so that was quite the leap. So I'm expecting to see, not necessarily obviously as the same kind of leap, but I think it was 1.3 million on March 6th was kind of the standard. And the one before that, I think went for 1.6. Oh, right. I think you might be right there. It was kind of, there was a short period of time where there was two. Yeah. So, you know, man, I don't know. I, I definitely, you know, I've been obviously watching it because it's, it's the card. And an impact uh, yours too, right? Like, yeah, but I, I, I can't believe it's only at 500 right now. You know, I thought that that card would be at a $2 million uh, price point by now, just to be honest with you. Um, the way I saw other cards and because of the, there's only eight or there's only 35 of these. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely a little bit surprised at, at the low price point, but. Um, we, might, we, we might potentially being some, uh, be seeing some ebbing and flowing. I think it's a little bit more difficult in the case of a card that has so few nines and tens. I think it's very difficult to extrapolate the same way people do. If you have a modern card and you sell it in a nine and you say to yourself, well, that means the 10 is worth this much. There's just so few. I always viewed the mantle nine as a card that the, the moment you purchased it in many ways, it, it inevitably has increased in price because uh, I think that the tens are kind of fairly tightly stashed away. Um, people don't consider that when they think of, they think of someone is, is just kind of always conspiring to flip the card very quickly, but they're going into collections. You mentioned you have a, a, a rapidly growing collection that you've put aside. I don't think these are cards that you're looking to move within the next month or so. Right. So, and if you don't mind me asking, actually, where is the mantle right at this moment without getting too specific? Is it locked away? Is it on display? I can't imagine that it might be on display, but. So right now, yeah, it's in a vault in Oregon. You know, it's just um, until I can figure out how to display it properly. You know, I just don't want to display this card and then the UV light or the, the atmosphere where I live or, you know, whatever changes the card from, let's say, a, a nine to an eight, you know. So yeah. I just want to make sure the card's protected. So right now it's just in a vault um, in Oregon. And uh, until I figure out, until I, you know, I'm working on a few larger deals and, and once, you know, I kind of get my head above water, then I'll kind of dive in and figure out what, you know, if I'm able to display it safely and, and then I'll, I'll do that. But yeah. How many times have you looked at the card and kind of gotten a sense for the, the condition and the beauty, the splendor, it looks like it's got great color. Yeah. You know, I had it, I had it delivered um obviously you know when i got it and i look you know 
it's a great freaking car. It's beautiful. And then, uh, and then I sent it back and then I had the, the trucks bring it back for my uh, family was in town. So wanted them to see it. And, and then I shipped it back, you know, so, you know, it's expensive because you gotta have um, armored trucks. Armored truck. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So every time you want to see it, it's kind of a process. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's so easy for your buddies to be like, Hey Rob, I want to check out that car. And like, well, okay, let's, uh, let's grab an Uber and we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, send the armored truck over yeah you know we've talked about everything except for the actual purchase of the car so you actually bought it kind of unconventionally right like typically the like these big cards i mean either on private sales or specifically now it's been golden auctions or auction houses in general uh you reached out to pwcc like directly correct yeah you know i mean you know i've been hunting some high-end cards so you know i I had great relationships with, you know, PWCC, Heritage, you know, all the auction houses, um, you know, all the kind of the top dealers, I guess. And uh, was always just kind of bugging them about um, deal flow, essentially, and, you know, finding the cards that I was hunting. And, um, and then, you know, finally got a, a bite um, and, and they realized that this card was in their vault and maybe the buyer would, would sell for the right price. So that's how it started and uh, got lucky. You know, these cards, like you mentioned before, once they're in a collection, a lot of times, you know, they don't leave the collection. Yeah. Um, and in this particular, you know, these two gentlemen that owned it, they, they were, they were up to, to possibly selling for the right price. So yeah, it was uh, worked out. How long was the negotiation process for that? Not as long as you think. I mean, it, you know, they, they start a little high. I start a little low and we settle in the middle. Um, you know, I think total, it was like three days or something. Wow. That's so, not bad at all. No, it was the easiest transaction, you know, selling a business, uh, this card thing has made me think that I've been in the wrong game for, for a long time <laughs> because, you know, you, you grow, you buy a business, you, you work your butt off and, you know, accounting and sales and just insurance, all these different crazy things. Then you go to sell it and then, you know, you've got to have spend a fortune on legal and you got to, you know, write all these reps and warranties and, and, you know, it's a pain. Find the buyer with, you know, hopefully a strategic ones that they'll, they'll yeah. overpay a little bit. Uh, whereas a card, you know, you just wire 5 million bucks and, and you're good to go. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So. I love it, man. And I love that you're just so down to earth. You know what I mean, bro? Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's dope, dope to have a conversation with someone who, you know, who has influence like yourself, who's been a prominent business owner, an entrepreneur, who's been an actor and, you know, is into sports cards. But like, most importantly, it's just like, you know, some of the main features that you, you've been bringing to this podcast. And it sounds like you bring to people every day is just like, do what you love and just keep it simple. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think also another big thing is just to, to think big, though. You know, I you know when I was buying, you know, two hundred dollar cards. I mean, there's no difference in in buying a two hundred dollar card than there is a five million dollar card. And the same thing with business. You know, a lot of people start a business and they think that they, you know, their goal is you know a million dollars or ten million dollars. But there's absolutely no difference in building a business to be ten million dollars than there is a billion dollar business. I mean, you have the same same hours in a day, the same struggle for accounting, the same struggle for sales, the same struggle for everything, the same headaches. Um, 
And it's just, I feel like people don't think scale and they don't think big enough. And, um, and I kind of, that was part of the, the mantle for me. You know, I kept buying all these small cards. I'm like, why am I chasing all these small cards? Um, I should just chase the best. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, I, I, I don't know why I wasn't listening to my own advice. I was buying all these, you know, these, <laughs> these other ones, but hindsight's always 2020, you know what I mean? Like it is what it is. Yeah. Speaking of down to earth, it makes me think of, uh, for whatever reason, your, your home, your home state, Rob, uh, which is actually pretty near and dear to me. I got a lot of special, wonderful people, uh, that mean a lot to me in Indiana, actually. So I spent a lot of time there in the last few years. Yeah. One of the articles, one of the articles I read, uh, was from a local, uh, from a, an Indiana paper where you actually mentioned, you said, you know, uh, I, I think the quote was anyone in Indiana can, can do the things I do. Uh, I don't know if you were specifically speaking about the mantle, but just kind of the point you just made. Uh, and that's something we talk a lot about on Cardboard Coach is the accessibility of this hobby as a means of uh, not only conducting the business, but learning about business and having like uh, big opportunities. Um, do you ever, uh, you ever head back to how, I'm sure you do, but how often you, you head back to, to Indiana? And I think you get, you, I, I can tell you get involved in a lot of charity initiatives. Do you ever get a chance to talk to the younger generation? I feel like cards gets kids into that business mindset early on. It certainly was for me. I shared a, a story last week about that. Uh, is that something that you get involved in? Uh, I don't go back to India as, as often as I should. I still keep um, a place there, you know, but I haven't been in the, the house for a while, but. Um, you had a great shop there, Ball Card Exchange. I just want to throw that out there. That's yeah, a really I, great baseball store. I, I follow it on Instagram. I need to go there. I've never been. Um, I still donate to some charities there. Um, but I don't speak, uh, ever. And I just think it's like, why would they want to hear from, from me? I'm just the same as everybody else, you know? So, um, so I don't speak to anybody there, like from a, you know, kid's perspective, but, uh, definitely rooting for Indiana and the people in it and the town. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's a great place to grow up and a, and a great place to live. I moved to California from Indiana um, and, you know, I think that was a great move too. And now I live in Puerto Rico and I think this is a, an incredible place that I'm uh, blessed to wake up to every day too. But Dude, I'm you know. jealous of your constant Instagram views and the, the golf carts, man. This guy's living the dream. I love it, man. I'm not necessarily jealous. I'm happy for you, dude. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, again, you should come out and, uh, and live here. It's, it's, uh, it's a great place. Yeah. It's a golf cart community. You get sunshine and it's, uh. You know, there, there's tax incentives. That's why I moved to Puerto Rico, of course. It's 0% capital gains, 4% income tax. That's state and federal combined. Um, you know, and selling a, a card, I'm assuming is capital gain. So you pay 0% tax versus, um, you know, California, it was 13.3% state income tax, yeah. which uh, counts for cap gain. So it's a little cheaper to live here uh, from a tax perspective, but it's definitely more expensive here uh, in the bubble where I live, it's more expensive than the hills in Hollywood, which really? is insane. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. My, my place here is, uh, is more expensive than my house in LA, which is just boggles my mind. It is. It's just, it is one of those mind boggling things where you're like, like how, you know, like how. Same as cards, supply and demand. Yep. You know, it, uh, people are coming here. The prices are going absolutely insane in this bubble. Um, cause there's, there's certain areas within Puerto Rico that, you know, 
for expats or whatever, but supply and demand, like with anything that, that has a massive rise in value and lots of people are coming here and uh, there's only so much supply. So it's crazy. Sure. I've certainly known you as an entrepreneur, Rob, and now you're appearing on podcasts called Cardboard Coaches and Slab Stocks and that whole yeah. thing. Um, uh, do, you, do you feel, are you going to get deeper into the hobby or is this just kind of in the, in the Rob G universe? as part of it, or are we going to see your name pop up again on some big sales? Are we going to see your name pop up again as it relates to the hobby? Is someone going to bump into you at a major show potentially? Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, I'm, I'm always looking for the dopest cards, you know, <laughs> I, I am hunting um, relentlessly uh, for these kind of things. And, um, and then again, you know, I would love to help the hobby any way I can. So, you know, business ventures that are starting or that have already, you know, progressed to be something great. I would love to help in any way I can to make this hobby better. And uh, yeah, I would love to go to shows. Um, yeah, I I'm down. I mean, well, I mean I hope people are, are hearing that. I really do because, um, you know, you and a lot of other young, younger people, I, I feel like we need a new generation in the hobby. It doesn't even necessarily have to be people that have been hobbyists their whole lives, but you know, people like Nat Turner coming in with PSA, I, I like, I generally like, you know, changing of the guards, um, younger, new, new generation coming in and, and leading the way. And I, I hope people are hearing that, that you're open to uh, pursuing that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of space for that in the hobby, considering how it's grown exponentially in this past year. So yeah, and that's where I think, you know, the hobby continues to grow if you keep the kids in it, which obviously there's, yes. there's a little bit of a, a problem now because the, the cards are being scooped up by, you know, guys that are selling them for a lot more. So the kids aren't able to buy the packs yeah. like, they, like they used to. Because the key is, you know, I, I collected as a kid, how, you know, fast forward to the future, I come back and it, and it brings back that kind of history. So if you don't have the kids now, you're not going to have it in the future. Or if they start only buying NBA Top Shot or all these other things, they're never going to know what a card is. Like, you know, I didn't collect stamps as a kid, uh, and therefore I don't come back to stamps. Yeah. Whereas the kids, if they don't collect the cardboard, they're not going to ever come back to the cardboard. So I think that's important for the longevity. And, um, and then, you know, yeah, I, I think it's also important that people don't get burned. You know, that if you tell people buy this card and you're worried about just flipping and making a quick buck, then you could get burned. And if you get burned, you're out of the hobby. I think if you just keep it and saying, get your friends in and just say, Hey, dude, this is cool. I love it. I'm having a lot of fun collecting it because there's so many, there's only so many of them. And I, I want a piece of that. Then you enjoy it. And your friends slowly will also come in and everybody enjoys it together. That's how the hobby grows. You know, I think slow growth is, is fine and it's yeah. been tremendous the, the fast growth we've had, but you're going to have some people exit because they get burned or because they came in for the wrong reasons. But at the end of the day, you know, you're probably going to keep, keep a lot of them. And that's yeah. the, I think the goal. Yeah. I love that you brought up those two incredible points, which is that we do need to have kind of a, a generational continuation and that is a concern throughout the hobby i mean it's funny you know if you haven't been in the hobby you, you returned you haven't been here for years and years but you're echoing a lot of the sentiments that uh, a lot of people that have been there for a while have been talking about uh, uh, the the accessibility of the hobby making sure that that that, that it carries on that way um so i appreciate that that you uh that you bring that up and that you have that uh 
perspective as well. I mean, I get why, you know, if I was running, you know, Panini or whatever, I, I definitely get it. You know, you want to drive revenue, you want to drive profit. I get that. If I'm a, if I'm a short-term CEO, um, just like if I buy a business, you know, I've, I don't, I'm not looking at 30 years down the road. I'm looking, how do I get that thing growth and sold? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I get why there, you know, there's 1300 versions of Zion Williamson's rookie card. Yeah. That's, that's very good question. Not the card. I question the strategy of pricing a brand new product. Like I'm sure, you know, this year's prism coming out at $2,500 per hobby box. Short-term CEOs, you know, the, the strategy is to make a lot of money. Um, the problem is you're going to end up with another junk wax era because they're not thinking long, long-term. And I get it. Again, if you're running the business, you don't care about 30 years from now. You're just trying to make as much money as possible. Yeah. Um, but I do see from a longevity standpoint where that could hurt. Um, but, you know, you're running the business now. They're, they're not thinking about that. I don't think they're just like, just dude, boom, whatever, you know, yeah, just jumping on the wave, you know, just like trying to get as much out as possible right now. And I, I agree with you. I think that uh, it's kind of ridiculous having, you know, a rookie card in tw- like 27 different sets, you know, you're like, okay, well, that's, but I guess, I mean, to, to what we were just talking about, I mean, it makes some of those accessible for kids, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Tops Fire, for instance, like, you know, maybe it's not marketable for, you know, you or me, but may- maybe it's more accessible for the kids or Allen and Ginter and stuff like that. So, yeah. Is what it is. Yeah, we get you know, a hate... Go ahead. That's... Sorry, Rob. You... No, you go ahead. I was going to kind of go off. off I, I have a, a 1230. Um, so I'm sorry. I got to jump no, off. No, no, man. That's cool. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to get you onto the Gordie Howe Parkers and Wayne Gretzky OPG one of these days, but <laughs> Let, let's get it. I just did a movie with, uh, with Wayne's son and his wife. Um, tremendous family. And um, yeah, I, I don't have a, I don't have a Gretzky. That's for sure. Yeah, one of these days we're gonna find you one. Thank yeah. you so much for coming once again, man. We uh, had a blast, and uh, you know, thanks for what you contribute to the hobby. And like I said, man, stay dope. Thanks for having me, guys. Really do appreciate you, and and let's do this again. Yeah, brother. Take Peace care, man. Up. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys, so much. Have a great day. Take care. Peace. Team, that was uh, pretty impressive shit. And uh, the reason why it was impressive, at least for me, was I, I just love how down to earth he was. He was, he was, and I, I keep saying this, but he was dope, man. And it's no, no cheese for the, you know, the, the, the throwing in his line or, you know, his brand, but like, he was just a down to earth dude who likes collecting cards, who saw the card of his dreams, bought the damn card and happened to get a lot of publicity for it. And I respect the hell out of that, man. I mean, one day, when uh, I finally get the uh, card I'm looking for, and I will never announce it till I do, I mean, I kind of want that same clout for just doing stuff I want to do. Is it a soccer card, brother? Maybe. It might be. <laughs> also, nope. actually, I lied. So I'll tell you guys a story real quick. So when I first started collecting cards, uh, when I first got back into collecting cards, about a year and a half ago, I saw on eBay, there was an out of five red shimmer Tatis Bowman Chrome PSA 10 for sale for a hundred thousand dollars. And I about taking out a what? Pardon? You thought about taking out a what? I did. I did. I did. I honestly, I thought of, I, I tried to figure out how to get, you know, as much money as humanly possible to, to make that happen. Um, and I even changed it to my display picture 
because I wanted it so fucking bad because I thought it was the epitome of, you know, I was like this card, I watched a few baseball games. I just got back into baseball a few years ago. And I was like, this guy, this guy is going to be the real deal. I mean, as long as he doesn't get injured, this guy has flair. This guy is dramatic. He has been improving defensively. I'm like, this is the guy. This is the card to own. So I just dropped what my grail is, (laughs) but as, as of right now, that card is probably like $500,000, at least, to be honest. It's probably increased uh, mightily since you first laid eyes on it. You know, so, you know, cards like what you, you're looking for cards, grails are typically intersecting at, you know, personal love, value, and, um, and in, in investability in terms of, in terms of the card, the card's value. And it's so funny, so much has changed, but so little has changed. If we were back in the late nineties and anyone approached me and said, I have this, I, I, I've come across a windfall. What do I do with it? One of the first things I would have said to them is buy a 52 mantle. And here we are in 2021. And, and you could say the exact same thing to someone. I've always loved alternative assets in that sense. I love the fact that Rob G talked about his, he, it's, it's getting real big and it, it's a collection Regardless of whether, you know, ultimately he started out just as an investor and it, maybe it was a, a, a one-time shot one way or the other. And it was, it probably would have been predictable. He's, he's now a collector who's building this stuff up and probably appreciates it on all those different levels that, that we do. So, you know, whether it's in the millions, the six figures, the five figures, the four figures, whether you're starting out with your $50, like we talked about last week, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities and a lot of, uh, connections that we can all feel from that right really appreciate your jab uh, the 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 chess card bro you had to mention it well it's not really a jab it's just the fact that (laughs) this is the reality we we've discussed everything on cardboard coaches we we were touching on action figures last week i mean anything that's worthy of discussion funny enough we've somehow managed to avoid having too in-depth of a discussion over top shot because one of the hosts has absolutely no idea but (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I, I love that there were so many great points that Rob brought up there, whether, uh, you know, it was being careful for the role, uh, the, careful of, of what, what's going on in the hobby in terms of the role of influencers and FOMO. And I believe he used the term sheep there. I've, I've used that term quite a bit on my page. Um, you know, not, not, not trying to be so negative and, and insulting. It's just that is an apt metaphor for a lot of what's been going on. Um, and again, it all stems from the fact that we love the four corners, four edges of a baseball card, and it's what we're familiar with. It, it evokes something. It, it, it creates a reaction when you look at it. And now you want to transpose everything onto it, regardless of whether it's a different sport like tennis or friggin' chess or comic books. Um, and, uh, again, that's the whole point with this whole mantle and this whole episode to tell you the truth is just remembering that it was baseball cards that started saw. You mentioned having a, a, a sealed case of tobacco cards where it all started, where people would just be buying, a you know, they, they, if you've ever seen one from that era, they're just these flimsy packages with, you know, some loose tobacco and poorly rolled cigarettes. And there's a card in there. There's usually a picture card. Um, and it's funny. I have a lot of it was weird stuff, not just baseball. I have some soccer tobacco cards, bro. 
there you go. They were actually making all sorts of tobacco cards. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's actually a funny thing. It gets back to like people back then were like trading airplanes and, and, and dogs. So that is a real thing, but, but it's baseball that emerged from that uh, tops coming into the fold in the fifties emerged from that. Um, so many kids have a shared experience of enjoying baseball cards for us here in Canada, more so hockey cards. Um, I bet you, as we speak, Rob is looking into getting a nice Gretzky. Uh, we need some of that. We need, we need to see some, some, some nice realized prices. Now he did mention speaking of realized prices and keeping an eye on this PSA eight mantle, you know, cause I have been tracking the PSA sales and it's like, it's like Rob mentioned, it's like, where's this card going? Um, we need to all calm down. I think for a moment, not Rob, not me, not you, but we all need to calm down. Uh, I saw, did you see the story, Brendan, where, uh, the guy posted, um, the P, the BGS 10 pristine Connor SP, no. uh, future watch autograph. And it was running at about 50, 60 grand. And his question was, is this going to go over hundred K? And a lot of people thought it would. I, I personally didn't. I think it ended at around 80K. Um, things are slowing down just a touch, which is fine. Um, you know, these Jordan sales recently, uh, man, uh, over uh, over on that, uh, I don't want to name specific Instagram accounts, but the one that tends to break a lot of news uh, has a lot of followers. Uh, there's a big conversation going on about the Jordan the role of influencers, Gary V's name is involved. <sighs> Trying to stay out of it for the most part because it's getting a little toxic in the comment section. But uh, looking at the comments and just like fucking let's do battle. Dude, dude I, I'm not, I don't want to get in there. People I, take I just, I like watching from afar. You love getting in the trenches, man. I'm like, but people, it's getting too personal and angry. And also, like, a lot of sentiments I tend to agree with because I'm, cynical that way but lately especially the last couple weeks i'm just like we can't throw out certain accusations without things being backed up um i i'm not going to attack anyone unless i have some personal knowledge or 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 it's been confirmed you got to be so careful about that kind of stuff and there are some there's some big names some big collectors i don't know if we want to be antagonizing People like that are just celebrating the fact that the hobby's expanding. And we have people in that in there. It's it's most relevant to a small fraction of us. I mean, I'm I'm not dealing in the six figures. Um, we all I love hope, to watch I hope it. To be one day with my soccer cards. Right, sure, and and you know what, man, we might be seeing the Genesis Coach Co becoming a big player in that sense. I want I I, I wish that for you. That that will be great. Man, that would but be uh, but here's the thing. I just want to say a few things. Three hundred and fifteen is not a lot for a card. If that's what the number is, it's probably larger. Uh, but uh, as far as the Jordan goes, it is such an iconic card. It has yeah. captured the heart and mind of generations, plural. Um, we did on Cardboard Coaches mention that that was maybe a little bit too fast too soon. But uh, like a lot of people remind us, there is a long game here as well. Sports aren't going anywhere. No. The COVID era is going somewhere. We are going to move on from it, hopefully. Uh, I don't know if necessarily in Canada we ever will, but uh, we are going to move on from it. Uh, and sports are still going to be around. Collectors are still going to be around. The hobby is still going to be around. Uh, there's a long-term play that has to start getting into people's heads right now. 
You cannot keep 10, 20, 30 Xing a card over and over. The mantle is a long-term play. Although I'm convinced if Rob wanted to turn that around two, three months later, he would have made money. Um, that wasn't in his plan. We didn't even get around to asking him about the fact that he mentioned he may even take that card on tour. He might, you know, like Todd McFarlane did with the home run baseballs. Yeah. Uh, if, he, if he has something to do with dope or some other company and they're doing some event, bring the mantle. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and uh, as far as a long-term play, there's only so many and it's a 52 tops mantle. So we kind of have to put that all into perspective. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, kind of all I have to Lo- say about that. It. I love it. Yeah, man. Team. Hey, I hope Kevin, you guys- Kevin, before we go, before we go, are we in the second inning? I think we're closer to like the third. I think maybe third. How do you feel about the fact that I maybe four? Okay, you're getting you're creeping. Um, how do you feel about the fact that I think we're in the seventh inning stretch, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Eh? Hmm. Yeah, that still means there's time. I think we got lots of time. Not the worst news in the world, but uh, just based on the fact that things are softening up a little bit, slowing down a little because we need to catch our breath. I think a, a, a great way to put it is that we are in the seventh inning stretch, but there's some exciting stuff coming up in the eighth and ninth inning, and there may be some extra innings. I'm telling you, man, I, I got a good feeling about the next few years, and that's why I've, I've been going balls deep here. I got a good feeling about soccer, mm-hmm. global. You're so, uh, so off color. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just excited. Honestly, I think, uh, that's why I said four. I said, I think we are at a crucial moment where, you know, if we strike out uh, three straight batters, then, you know, it escalates quickly into like the, the second half of the game. Um, but I think that if we can have some solid at-bats, a.k.a., you know, if we can weather the storm of these PSA slabs coming in, if we can, uh, you know, show specifically the people that are just coming into the hobby or have recently come into the hobby that like the, the backbone of the hobby are players vintage. And even like, I say vintage very loosely, even like 20 years ago, 30 years ago that I would consider vintage. That's the backbone of the hobby. Obviously, you know, you want to invest in players that, you know, modern players because they're currently playing, but just remember that's a gamble. And like, if you're looking to make money and keep your money, chances are vintage is the way to go. And as long as you can build your portfolio that way. Um, so it's not so present heavy. I think there's uh, there, we can withstand anything. I think we can, as long as we all understand what we're doing, think that there's lots of room love it all right team i hope you guys had fun i know we did good conversation with good people as always team do not forget to like subscribe follow us on social send us a damn message leave a comment on maybe the best thing you learned about in today's episode and uh, you might just win something hmm i hope you guys had fun today i know we did Have a great day. Coach Go, out.